Hey world, it's nice to meet you. I'm Cassidy Jackson, and you are listening to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. More Gen Z authors seem to be coming out of the woodwork in the past few years, myself included. And I want us to be able to have a safe space to express ourselves, since the online world is a scary place, and we might feel extremely alone. In each episode, I am highlighting an amazing Gen Z author who has agreed to share part of their story online. Sit back, relax, and please, remember, you are never alone as an author of any age. I am absolutely shocked at the warm reception that this podcast has received because in my experience when gen z starts projects it can either be like oh my gosh this is the best thing in the world everybody loves it or they're like yeah we don't want this there's not a market for it there's no need for this though in the publishing world gen z is the next kind of next big thing, so to speak. And so that's why this podcast is basically Gen Z, just kind of showing our quote unquote true colors in the most unprofessional yet professional way possible. So today I'm actually talking about a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And so I figured this guest is one of the perfect people I can actually talk about this experience with. So I will let her introduce herself, talk a little bit about her writing history. Well, thank you. (laughs) I feel really touched actually um, to be here talking with you. Um, My name is Bia. I don't have a pen name yet. That's something I'm still working on. (laughs) I just realized just now that I don't have one, but (laughs) um, I um, am a fantasy writer. Uh, right now I am working on a YA fantasy retelling as, as well as a um, adult, um, I call it dystopian, but it also has some sci-fi and maybe even fantasy elements. I'm still working out the, the tweaks of, of it, but yeah, so I'm mostly fantasy writer, but I do have um, hopes and dreams to also branch out into other um, I guess Sean Rez as well. And yeah. <laughs> well, again, let me just start off by saying that Bia and I are both people of color. Just, I know you guys cannot see us, but just know that we are people of color. And because in this episode, we will be talking about kind of growing up as a person of color different aspects of life like I'm from the United States it was adopted internationally and then I will let you talk a little bit much or as well as you want about your kind of background yeah so um I am actually of Hispanic descent I'm half Puerto Rican half Dominican uh but growing up I have been very separated from my heritage um, my mom, she, um, you know, both of my parents were raised in their respective countries. Um, my mom coming here, you know, she used to be a doctor in her country. And when she came here, she decided to uh, do a lot of social work. And she worked with a lot of um, Spanish families um, of low income. And she would see a lot of um, Hispanic children, you know, these children, um, they would be like um, brought here only speaking Spanish and they would learn English 
um, and and even the students that they spoke perfect English, perfect Spanish, because they were Hispanic, they were automatically placed in ESL. And that was something my mom never wanted for me. <laughs> that was like a her fear, whether it was irrational or not. Um, so actually growing up, I didn't even learn Spanish like as a primary language. My mom, my both of my parents thought I would pick it up. Um, just from hearing it in the household. And I think that goes for my sister as well. Um, and it's still something that I cannot, like I cannot speak Spanish fluently. It's it's definitely an insecurity of mine. Um, and I'm starting to make more effort now as, as an adult, but it's, um, but I've really, I think because of that, I, growing up in like, where I live um, we do have like a mix of culture but it's not too too much like I feel like um, most groups they kind of stick with each other so like most of like the Spanish-speaking kids that I grew up with um, if they weren't I guess um, I don't know I feel like I'm um, not gentrified but <laughs> I feel like um, I guess you could use the term like whitewashed um, unless they were that, they would, you know, stay in their cliques, only speaking Spanish, not really, you know, venturing outside of that group. And I think because I was never able to speak Spanish, I never really got um, really close with people who um, also would like share their culture. Like I only knew, um, you know, I had like friends of different ethnicities too, but never really like culture and things like that was never something that we really discussed upon especially as like as like a young kid or a teenager <laughs> um I think it's only when I started um getting older and when um I noticed I think it was around um I told you uh it was around 2016 when there was like this movement of like PO, POC writers, POC um, characters that I looked back at my own writing and I saw that all of my characters are white, which is crazy because I'm not white, <laughs> you know? Um, so it was like, I couldn't even, you know, see myself in my characters. And it, like, if I had a minority character, it was like a, like a very, you know, small character that they we had like one line and like that was it so it's like very difficult to see um and even like uh, I know I mentioned this um to you Cassie that the process of like changing characters in my work from like all just all white people to you know have different ethnicities whether they were Hispanic well especially Hispanic has been very difficult for me um, it's definitely something I'm improving on, but even in in my work, I see like this internalized racism and to unlearn it is very difficult, especially because, you know, even like with my own family, especially I think on my mom's side, uh, because of like, um, I for me seeing like she went through a lot of like toxic family drama, especially in my like um young teen year sorry <laughs> um and it's the point where even I don't even want to visit her home country anymore because I, I like I can't I can't like I can't forgive her the her side of the family even 
So like just dealing with all this internalized racism, racism is, has been, it's been difficult. And it's also been like such a learning experience for me, um, especially because as a, you know, person of color myself, I want, you know, my writing to reflect um, the, like, kind of like the struggles of a person of color, you know, even if it's fantasy, because there are young kids who are people of color, who they want to see that they want to see themselves as like the heroes of the story. But if, if I'm someone who doesn't represent that, it feels like very hypocritical. And so, yeah. (laughs) No, I definitely, as you were telling your story about, you know, how you were kind of, if you were whitewashed in a way, I feel like we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Like you come from an immigrant family Mm. and I have white parents, very what probably people in your community would call whitewash. Mm. It was not, the thing is my family, my parents were like, no, you guys have to know about your birth heritage. Kind of like, it's you and Spanish, where your mom was like, no, I, I don't want my daughters speaking Spanish. Because mm-hmm. and English is a second language, classes are very real. And mm-hmm. it's a very real experience that many, many people go through, whether they are Hispanic or Asian, just any person of color who ha- maybe has parents with a slight accent put in there just mm-hmm. because it is assumed that they just don't know English. Right. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a really big topic in terms of people of color in the United States. In other mm-hmm. countries where Caucasian or white is the predominant, for lack of better terms, ethnicity. Mm-hmm in the country and I grew up in a very diverse area of the country on the west coast and right I moved at 13 to the midwest which if you know nothing about the midwest no it is mostly predominantly Caucasian and white right <laughs> there are a lot of Europeans mm-hmm. in this area of the country and me being Asian American with white parents I kind of had a little identity crisis because Mm -hmm. I was so used to growing up with you know Asians and Hispanics and Mm -hmm. black people and you know Caucasian white people I just Mm -hmm. lack of diversity was shocking to me I know my sister who was in elementary school at the time when we moved it was shocking for her because she also grew up surrounded by a very diverse community. And Mm. it was just nobody cared, you know, what skin color or what language was spoken at home. You know, Mm -hmm. my elementary school literally had an international fair every single year. And I think they still do. Yeah. They had an international fair where would actually ask for parent volunteers from, you know, countries like the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico and Sweden and Korea and China. And I think one time there was even a Japanese booth in one of oh. the years, if I remember, but it was very celebrated, which 
now that I'm in the Midwest, I realize it's <laughs> not the norm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your area of the country kind of celebrated different cultures the way that my community kind of did growing up. Um, I feel like uh, maybe like right now it hopefully got better. I hope. Um, you know, it's even my school, I would say my school, we definitely had, you know, diversity. We have a lot of African Americans, a lot of, you know, Caucasians too. We have um a huge Hispanic population. Uh we do have um some Asian, some um and some other ethnicities as well. But it definitely um go like I live in a suburb suburb um suburban area and when I had moved to the city um when I was going to college it was totally different um there were so many cultures that I was introduced to even just by you know food that's like the best way to get to know someone's cultures through food oh, yeah. um and so I would make friends um of different ethnicities and um and learn so much about them um and it was really eye-opening and it kind of made me see how ignorant I was in growing up and it's it's crazy to know that not everyone has the opportunity to do that whether you know they just live in a place that's mostly one ethnicity or if you know they don't have like the means to like go out and meet uh, people other people um yeah so it's just uh like, I always wonder, like, what would happen if I had never, like, moved to a place um, where there would be so many, like, a huge mixing pot of people. If I were just to stay as I was, would I, you know, venture out um, as much as I did? Would I go out of my way to meet all these people? And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah it definitely translates into writing. Like, mm -hmm. my characters, looking back to the first novel, that I wrote, I definitely had Asian American characters mm -hmm. as the protagonist. And I've always kind of, because I grew up in a diverse area and where different cultures were celebrated and just accepted as the norm, mm -hmm. I was able to see myself as Asian American and become very proud of that. And as writers know, if you are proud of something, it goes in whatever work in mm -hmm. progress you have at the time. Right, <laughs> right. And here you say you kind of had this success <laughs> of, you know, most of, I'm a person of color, I'm Hispanic, but I don't really see myself in these characters mm -hmm. because people of color have vastly different experiences than Caucasian and white people. That's just how it is just mm -hmm. how we're going to be and so I'm over here going in my writing I have white people and I have American people predominantly because those are the two kind of quote-unquote cultures that I know best mm -hmm. and I'm also trying to branch out I think it's harder for people of color to branch out to other cultures Mm -hmm. because there might be some ulterior motive there might be you know something else going on there's a whole bunch of other right. internalized racism within mm -hmm. the BIPOC community 
right. that a lot of people are not aware of and that translates directly into writing whether mm-hmm. you know I'm sure you all have heard of like internal bias and implicit bias that mm-hmm. go into you know artwork or creative writing pieces or even maybe news articles mm-hmm. they're just everywhere and I feel like it's so important now more than ever to have, you know, BIPOC voices be like, no, my story, my voice kind of needs to be heard mm-hmm. because <laughs> it's been silenced for so long. Right. I know in California, it was the Chinese immigrants in the gold rush. Mm-hmm. And then later on and throughout history, it was the Mexicans and Hispanics in the country who were just like missionaries decided, okay, we're just gonna, you know, better firms Americanize you and make sure mm-hmm. that you're going to basically become one of us. And again, you used the term whitewashing in the beginning of the episode. And they, and I think that's basically what they did. Mm-hmm. And ethnicity is more about culture than skin color because mm. what I've noticed because I now go to a very diverse university where again I'm surrounded by many different cultures many different people and I'm being reintroduced to some of the cultures that I've kind of forgotten about because I've lived in the midwest for so long and it's not exactly mm-hmm. celebrated and I'm trying to bring that back into my writing because their cultures could be celebrated by other BIPOC authors I think if you want to learn about a culture learn about it I probably will actually start to research other cultures just to be like what cultures are very similar to you know my birth countries Mm-hmm. And then kind of spreading out, you know, the different Asian countries, you know, Southeast Asia, East Asia, whatever, or Asia there is. <laughs> and like, there are so many different cultures within, you know, the Asian American community and within the Hispanic community. So mm-hmm. There's a lot that a writer can work with if they're not quite comfortable branching out to, you know, I probably would not research quite yet, you know, somebody from Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic, just because for me, I would feel that's kind of like, well, what then? Going back to mm-hmm. the judgment thing of the internal racism going on, like, what would people from that country think of me? An Asian American just going out and researching the country, mm-hmm. like, probably why would somebody want to do that willingly yeah but I feel like also with that there's such a divide in in like um in other people looking into well if for one person to look into someone else's culture in some places I find that especially in like um the other countries like they are more willing to introduce their culture to to people uh, versus in America I feel like at least maybe just on the internet I don't know (laughs) 
but it feels like everyone's like, well, that's not your culture. Why are you trying to learn about that culture? That's weird. Um, I actually I recently saw, um, I think it was on Twitter. It was a man um, being dressed in um, like the traditional Nigerian attire for a thing because his friend getting married. And this man, I, I mean, he wasn't even black. Um, obviously, he's not Nigerian. So, and I was surprised to see um, so many praises in the comments because usually with um, with uh, posts like that, it's usually about like, oh, your uh, cultural appropriation, things like that. Um, for me, actually, um, something that I guess, cause, because I had such a strong um like um I just really wanted to avoid my own culture and learning about that just because of like my own internalized racism I tried to learn about other cultures and I had made some friends in like my first year of college and you know they were Korean and at the time I had just learned what k-pop was what <laughs> what uh, Korean food was it was so good <laughs> Um, and they actually, um, they, one of my friends, she actually started to teach me Korean. Uh, she wanted to, you know, teach someone, so share her culture with me. And she even, we even did like uh, the Korean fan dance together, which was a very interesting experience. I actually, I haven't told you this, but I actually have dance experience, like traditional ballet, you know, all those types of dances. And even just taking Korean traditional dancing and ballet dancing, it's like, like the, even your center core is totally different. Like for ballet, everything is like up, but like Korean dance, everything is down. <laughs> I can't really explain it well. No, I think I but, understand what you're trying to say. And then and, even that experience, that can translate into writing. And this is a very <laughs> sensitive topic and I don't want, people to be like oh he's just Asian American that's kind of chewing off her mouth I'm like no it's kind of not what this is this is me being like BIPOC authors should actually learn about other BIPOC authors cultures I agree because I agree there are so many fascinating cultures mm -hmm. out there that are not being explored because I'm sure most people are like me where they're like oh I I don't feel like I should go into that culture because I'm not specifically from that culture mm -hmm. you are going to find that weird and people are going to be like oh you're just culturally appropriating that's not okay there's a difference between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation mm -hmm. and I might right. actually explore that in my young adult rom-com that I'm writing right now where one main character is Chinese American and the other one is French Korean mm -hmm. and they're both kind of exploring different angles you know okay I'm Chinese American what does that mean exactly mm -hmm. and so I can draw from my own experience as Asian American and just be like mm -hmm okay it's broadest sense of the word i don't know if i would feel comfortable enough going into specifics because again 
I guess I'm just trying to think of like, okay, if I was, you know, Korean or if I was Chinese or Japanese or whatever, I know I'm kind of like glossing over. I'm, I'm Asian American and that is that. That's kind of, I worry a lot about kind of <laughs> all of this because again, I mm-hmm. am BIPOC. And so I'm kind of like, here in the news and in history about you know internalized racism within Mm. each BIPOC community Mm -hmm. and so it makes it really hard for me as a person to be like in my writing can I actually explore things or cultures other than Asian American because would that like a cold reception a warm reception like what would that be and learning for myself like you had to learn it's okay Hispanic characters <laughs> in your novels and just make them the forefront I kind of have to blaze my own path and be like no if I want to learn about a culture I'm going to learn about a culture and people can deal with that and I feel like that is something that all BIPOC people have to learn no matter if it's in writing or their artwork or school even mm-hmm. just because it's such a large topic. I believe it's not talked about enough, mm-hmm. especially in the publishing world, because it's just glossed over. Oh, this person right. has, you know, a Nigerian character, and this person has, you know, a Puerto Rican character, and this person has, you know, a Korean character, or like, you know, a Japanese American character. That's just like, oh, that's great. But I don't think people look into the reason why this mm-hmm. character is, you know, Nigerian or Japanese American or Puerto Rican because they just look at the author and just assume, oh, they wrote about their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And people should, like I keep saying, they should we should write about other cultures. I I think so. I feel. Like, of course, there are certain stories that are uh, like that are for people to tell from their own experience, their own culture. But I feel like just because I am Hispanic, I feel like if I'm not saying that I should write a story that's, you know, really centered about um only like another specific community. But I feel because at least in what what I'm trying to do with my stories, I'm trying to include other characters sorry my voice is my voice is leaving me um that's okay you're fine um I'm trying uh to include um characters of other ethnicities like um in one of my stories um one of my I mean my main character he is Spanish I'm Hispanic I haven't thought about what kind of Hispanic he is yet um, but all of his friends, well, not all of his friends, but most of his friends are POC. I have characters from India. I have characters from um, China, from you know Vietnam, from all these places, um, from even, um, what is it, Kenya too. I have um, one of the teachers. It's like a little magical school. <laughs> um, and so I you know, I'm not planning on uh, really getting too, too in depth with their cultures because it, it's it's a fantasy, but there will be aspects of, of their culture in there. Like, for example, I have a teacher who she wears a hijab 
is it does it have connotations um, with uh, you know the type of fantasy? Well, for me, I know that I'm not writing that story right now, but I want to learn more about their culture, um, all the cultures that I'm you know have, that I have characters in, uh, so that way I can you know represent that the best way that I can. Um, you know, even though this story centralized around a Hispanic, you know, character, I want the the side characters that are of other ethnicities. I don't want someone to look at that character and be like, well, they could have just been a, a white or Hispanic character. Like they didn't have to be this ethnicity. And I actually, um, um, Sorry, I'm talking about many different projects that I'm working on anything. <laughs> um, no, you're so good. One of the projects I'm working on now, it's um, a fantasy retelling. It's my YA. Of, you know, that one's, I mean, actually, I just had a, I, I know I was, I was speaking to you earlier that I just had a breakthrough with this story. I, as I've been, I've been at war with this story. Like we've been fighting for the past at least a year. <laughs> it's it's it was it's it's been it's been a roller coaster but recently i've had a, a breakthrough and so i'm very excited to get started on that um but i do have other characters of other ethnicities as well because this this was the story that i was referring to that all i looked at the the cast and every single person was white and it's this is actually it's a planned out series um not it's not just going to be alice in wonderland retelling it's a couple other um big stories like you know like the wizard of oz and things like that and i look the way that i originally had justified that like all my cast being white was that oh well the original characters they were all white so it only makes sense that all my characters are white and that then like you know as i really thought about it i realized like that's doesn't matter <laughs> It's a retelling. You know, that's not a real excuse. Yeah, exactly. It's a, especially like nowadays where you have so many different types of retellings from, uh, for, from even different cultures. Um, so, but when I was really, you know, starting to change and it was like, it was a struggle to change the ethnicities. Um, I remember I made one of the characters, um, like I would, I would make them like half first, like half, half white, half something else. Um, which even even doing that was a struggle and it was it's 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 embarrassing I feel to talk about it like because it's like of how hypocritical it sounds that is something right. that should be talked about yeah. because <laughs> I I have also felt that hypocrisy and as like oh wait a minute <laughs> this character acted one way but now she's kind of going in a different direction and that actually happens to authors a lot mm -hmm. in their own writings like they start out with a character in mind and then the character is just like nope no thanks I'm not gonna do that that's not what <laughs> my story is and the characters just hijack the story and that's that's right. what this character basically right. did this character started off as you know acting very kind of biracial you know black and white just kind of in my mind that was just her and now she's like oh wait she's kind of acting hispanic 
in the way that she kind of my Hispanic friends act. And I know that's not how all Hispanics, mm -hmm. but again, like <laughs> it's okay to draw from your people of POC friends, because if that mm -hmm. is how you were introduced to the culture, like you and your Korean friend, if that is how you are introduced to the culture, then go mm -hmm. ahead. The invitation is there. Mm -hmm. They're introduced to the, I was introduced to Mexican culture through my friend's food she would just be mm -hmm. like my aunt made me this or my mom made me this and I'm like that sounds so good <laughs> it really is like genuine Mexican food is so, so good, good. <laughs> so I might actually just make my Korean my French Korean best friend Hispanic just because she just exudes that mm -hmm confidence that my Hispanic mm -hmm. friends have and it's just like okay sure <laughs> now I've... you guys got some live kind of <laughs> taking a writer's brain about how characters are made right and actually now... it's it's funny that you say that because in my um uh, my fantasy retelling there's actually two character three three characters that I actually uh, maybe it was unconsciously that they, you know, they became that way afterwards. But looking at them now, I like I can see the people in my life who they kind of it's like copy and paste. Um, I have um, two of them are are characters that were made before I met those people, and then you know as I was changing their ethnicities, I kind of put those people into them. So <clears throat> sorry, my first one is my my main character she is actually um she is half korean half white um you know she 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 couldn't escape being the half white i guess everyone else changed but her <laughs> but actually there is a reasoning why i did it um she's actually uh based off of two of my middle school friends yeah. um, one of them it, she's uh chinese and one of them she's actually a quarter japanese um but they both kind of had this like rebellious cool streak about them that I gravitated gravi gravitated towards when I was younger and I was like oh my god they're so cool I want to be like them um and this character is very much like when I created her she was everything that I had wanted to be you know at my middle school high school age that kind of cool rebellious I don't care vibe um she's not really like that anymore she tries but she has um flaws now <laughs> but um but she's very much kind of based off of them um and also I have two male characters who I based off of two male friends in real life one of them he is um Spanish and I based him off of one of my Mexican friends and then I have his, the, his character's best friend who isn't really a big character in the series. Um, he literally, from the name, I copy her. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's like Ecuadorian. Like yes. from the, the, the name, like if if he if he were to read this. <laughs> no, honestly, I feel like my Mexican character, who is the best friend of my French Korean character, a copy paste of 
my Mexican <laughs> friend and just the adventures of her kind of growing up and then drawing from sorry I love you my, to my Mexican <laughs> friend like I love you your family could definitely star in one of those soap opera kind of things oh yeah is very dramatic <laughs> and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna take the dramatic flair of her family put it into this character and then kind of put some of her mannerisms into this character whom you all now know as Mexican just because <laughs> you know unconsciously again because you have you have friends who are different ethnicities and different cultures it's a lot easier I feel to kind of lack of better terms copy and paste like some mm -hmm. of their mannerisms but then also do like some of your own research if you want to whether it's on the internet or just asking your friend I actually have asked some of my right. friends you know about their cultures and I'm like hey we're kind of thing insert very niche very specific cultural question here and they're like I see <laughs> what is going on and I'm like nothing it's fine there. everything is good Every, everything is fine don't worry about it it's fine but then they know I'm a writer so then it gets their brain going and they're like and honestly I feel like that's kind of the highest praise somebody can get you're the immortal that I love is <laughs> exactly I agree I like if I had a friend who wrote even part of me in a character I'd be like oh my god I'm so touched yeah um actually um with with like writing um because all of my other like things that I want to work on or am working on the main character is Hispanic um the reason why Lacey is not um, my main character of the fantasy retelling is because at that time when I was changing everyone's ethnicities, it was the hardest for me to, um, that was when my internal racism was kind of at its high, <laughs> um, which is crazy to me because my, one of my best friends is Dominican and I like, I, and I don't hold, you know, I don't even like think about it. But I think um, when it comes to like me and myself, it's like it's there's like all this like, I don't know, like anger, resistance. Um, and so that also kind of reflected with my characters. And so I just chose um, an ethnicity that I was interested in learning about, which at the time I had met my Korean friend. She showed me all these things about her culture. And I was like, well, I can put that into her. But you know, the way that I can relate to that character as well is that she also can't relate to her culture, which is um, a part of why she has a strange, a, a, what is it, a strained relationship with her mother, actually, which, you know, kind of reflects my own life, not completely, but <laughs> um, so as long as I, I feel like you're able to connect with your character in some sort of way, and if you're able to um, reflect that culture respect in a respectful way, and even like even if like when you're at the time of like beta reading for for you to get sensitivity readers, people of different ethnicities be like, what do you think? Is there anything insensitive, or is there anything you think I should make different? Things like that. Um, 
I feel like if you're just mindful in that way, then it can, you know, be something that's respectful and also celebrates other people's cultures. Um, you yeah. definitely bring up a good point about sensitivity readers because you hear about it all the time in the publishing mm -hmm. industry. Like, I need a sensitivity reader for ADHD, for autism, mm -hmm. for, you know, depression, anxiety. Like, is this real? Is this okay? Mm -hmm. But even less, and I feel like maybe you've noticed this too, it's less about, you know, I'm, you know, Caucasian or I'm Hispanic or I'm Asian or, you know, I'm European, but I'm writing about this different culture mm -hmm. and people from this culture, like read my novel and be like, do you relate to this character? Because mm -hmm. if you don't, how do I make it? this character seem a little bit more real a little bit right. more realistic and that's actually what I'm going to do you mm -hmm. know with my YA rom-com is I'm literally going to send it to my Mexican friend and I'm mm -hmm. going to be like please help me make this character like genuinely Mexican mm -hmm. from your perspective because mm -hmm. Obviously, she can't speak for the entire Mexican community and the entire right. American <laughs> community. It's just, and that's actually a good point too. Now that I brought that up about like people aren't, people of color are not spokespeople for their mm -hmm. respective communities. It's always right. every experience is so different. And that's what makes a novel with a POC main character or any major character special because each experience is so different from the next so um I was gonna say um with you know my fantasy retelling because it spans over a lot of different uh fantasy stories and they're all kind of mashed together into one big mess <laughs> um I actually um like I will be hopping well it's it's in third person limited but I'm still kind of gonna be head hopping throughout the series at least um, and so that's like a big, um, I guess, insecurity that I have is will I represent this character, you know, based on their race? Like um, I have an, like one of my characters who I think is going to be a big character in the series. He's an African-American male. I know nothing about the African-American male experience. I don't even know the male experience in, in general. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I don't either I, don't worry you're not alone and it was um because as of like I the big like the revelation that I had um today was that my first book actually has to be split into two but yeah. before that my second book I guess now the third book was mostly in a male's perspective I was going to contact my friend and be like hey like can you just like answer some questions because I have no idea what goes on up here Always I only know from friends. like I was like I only know what I see from books or you know just talking to people but I don't really know what goes on the the intricacies of your mind like I um so that's something I think that's um it's definitely something that I because I'm so uncomfortable writing it I feel like I have to get a whole bunch of people's feedback to make it seem authentic because you always see like whenever um authors don't do their homework and they for example um there's 
you know, there was one author, he was a Caucasian author and he wrote a story based, I think, I don't know if it was Japanese um, culture or something. And everyone was calling him out because it didn't rep, it, it seemed more like of like a fetish type writing than actually wanting to express the culture in the right way. Or you see, um, um, I recently like listened to an audiobook like a couple weeks ago and it was mostly in like a female's perspective. And then we had like the male PO, not POC, sorry. We had the male point of view. And I remember like it was an audiobook. And then as the, it was a different, the whole audiobook was a female, but that one couple chapters or whatever that was in the male's perspective was spoken from a male narrator. And all I could think was the male narrator as he's reading this does he realize that this is not how men think <laughs> no like is that is that what is that what's going through his mind because that's what's going through my mind I was like this sounds like a female with a deep voice um <laughs> I know for me I have had many experiences with my male friends mm-hmm. where it is very hard for them to kind of admit emotional things to me yes And Mm -hmm. so my male French-Korean character, he is having such a struggle with, you know, coming to terms with the fact that he does have, you know, and he is going through an an identity crisis right now. And he is kind of being like, who am I? What am am I doing here? Like, I... what what is my purpose in life like I, I I don't know who I am I don't know you know what is going on and then bringing into that the male perspective from my male friends at least of just being like are emotions like okay like I, I know they're mm-hmm. okay but I feel this stigma about like emotions aren't okay mm-hmm. like yeah. I have one friend where whenever I say something really deep about emotions, he's like, I feel that. And I'm like, this is actually good material for my (laughs) male (laughs) main character. But also like the fact that he is also Asian American, which also helps with the fact that he is sort of like a copy and paste of all of the male interactions that I have had (laughs) over the years, whether it be, you know, with a white person or you know a black person a hispanic person an asian person like any kind of male interaction that i can kind of grasp at straws Mm -hmm. i will do that just because again like you said earlier we are both female we we know nothing right about the biological male experience right that, that just doesn't exist for us And I think the fact that we are doing our homework and we are trying to uncomfortably pick people's brains because Mm -hmm. I feel like the writers who make other people uncomfortable in their research and in their writing is because they did their homework. 
And because they were able to kind of be like, get, you know, those sensitivity readers, whether it be on culture or, you know, any type of chronic illness or any type of, you know, mental, mm -hmm. emotional, physical, whatever. Those are the authors that I aspire to be, <laughs> you know, in yeah. a way. I just want to be known as an author, you know, who does her homework, who actually mm -hmm. cares. But then mm -hmm. there's also in the back of my mind, as I've mentioned throughout the episode, I'm like, but are people going to be like, that's weird, you know? And again, like with the yeah. anxiety thing, but, it's it's a whole other can of worms that I can open. But, um, you know, there's always going to be, you know, some hate in some form. Um, I think the best we could do is, is just try our hardest to... Um, you know, take into account, um, you know, what people might feel, um, trying to respect people's cultures as much as possible. Um, you know, not everyone will like it. And, you know, that's fine. You know, people are entitled to their opinion. Um, I know that when, when I read something, whether it's um like a male author trying to get into the female perspective and it fails or <laughs> or someone um, just using like just stereotypes of like a culture um, it even seeing those things are an experience to me as an author because it kind of shows me what not to do and then now my job is to really try not to do it to really implement that so that um, you know my writing can get better so my character my characters can develop more um, yeah and so that's just what I hope to be I hope that you know once you know I get my act together and I <laughs> finally you know have like a beautiful draft that maybe I can publish I hope that you know because people who if you know if people read your books they're gonna they're not necessarily gonna like people who read my books are not all gonna be Hispanic right that's just <laughs> what the fact of the matter is they're not all gonna be American there's you know hopefully there's hopefully people read my book if you know maybe only, maybe it's only no, gonna be honestly, my mom who knows <laughs> I feel that I feel that <laughs> but you know if other people do read it you know they're gonna you know be different from you different personalities different ethnicities different experiences different ages so I would like my writing and I guess that's kind of why I I feel the need to cover so many different things in my writing because I want as many people as possible to relate to it that's why I'm working on you know you know adult uh, young adult and middle grade fantasy kind of all at once right now <laughs> well my middle grade is on hold because that needs a lot of world building but yeah. the other two I'm kind of working on side by side but also I do want to explore one day you know into maybe thriller or contemporary romance these are you know things that I want to you know even just like women fiction too um things that I want to kind of venture in I don't know if I'll get there because that's a lot of books and look how long it's taking me to write one <laughs> you'll get there I believe but, in you, you. Know, I <laughs> thanks <laughs> thank you I'm hoping that after I hit one the rest will just come out you know <laughs> they say it gets easier I hope that's true I mean um, I'm I finished my first draft of my first novel that I ever completed and then now I am almost one third into my YA rom-com oh of gosh. 90K. So <gasps> maybe I'm not the best example. 
no that's I mean, good that's a good example it's still of like, good yeah no I'm I'm shocked I'm honestly shocked but going back you, to what you said about like age you and I are vastly different in age like I am 20 and you are what 26 25 something like that 26 yeah 26 so you and I already have vastly different life experiences right <laughs> and I have honestly learned so much from you about you know oh. life and about you know how to handle potentially different situations like I have learned so much from you just as we've been talking about like how it is okay to you know oh, put other I'm actually really touched <laughs> in your book like no that's the thing like everybody is always like Cassie you're always so touching and I'm like okay but I also treat others the way that you know my parents insult me like treat others the way you want to be treated and so that's I feel like that also doesn't correlate to my you know characters in my books because those poor babies go through so much (laughs) it's not even funny like you can be the (laughs) nicest person in the world in real life and then you can read a book like Brooke Riordan, for example. Like he's a very good example of what we've been talking about the entire yeah. podcast. And by the way, we are actually recording this on August 18th. So, you know, <sighs> the big announcement came out and me and I kind of fangirled for a very, very long time over this. Oh my gosh. Because yes. it's just, he is, but that's, I kind of aspire to be like Rick Riordan in a way where you, we can tell like he's done his homework. We can right. tell like he potentially got sensitivity meters mm-hmm. or he did a lot right. of homework very in-depth. Actually, right. You know, no, I just aspire to be like him because, you know, he is somebody who wholeheartedly throws himself into you know greek mythology and roman mm-hmm. mythology and norse mythology and you know egyptian mythology but he has you know poc characters in there mm-hmm. and as we've been talking this entire time it's been running in the back of my mind like if rick riordan can do it like that is kind of where i aspire to get to mm-hmm. at some point you know right actually um it's funny that you bring it up because he his like I was never a reader growing up at all like my parents would try to get me books if there were no pictures I was not reading it that's just (laughs) the matter of the fact (laughs) like I was like there's a movie like Harry Potter there's a movie we're watching the movie we're not reading that book that book is this big we're not reading it (laughs) (laughs) so um um but in this I think I told you this story but in the sixth grade um we were given a book to read I would never read the books either I would always spark notes everything even even up to high school I was in AP classes spark notes even they told us not to do not to use spark notes but I did it anyway oh you're not (laughs) alone you're not alone trust me you are not alone (laughs) um anyway (laughs) sorry so in the sixth grade, we had to read The Lightning Thief um, for an assignment. I I have never devoured a book ever in my life that quickly. I, you know, the next, I think like the next week, like I went to my grandma's and I was like, oh my gosh, let's go to the bookstore. I want to buy all these books. And I bought the rest of the series. And I think the first book of the Crane Chronicles, 
Pain, Pain Chronicles. I'm sorry. Yeah. I even I think that one's even signed because it was like right when I came. I think I have to I, I have to look for it. I'll I'll let you know. Oh my gosh, um, the <laughs> internal jealousy that I have right now because you have a signed um, copy of an early book. Yeah, Sorry, continue. I, I, no, I think I think like it's one of those like the bookstore had them signed already, and I bought it. Um, I think I have to. I definitely have to double check. Um, either way, sure. Cool. Either way, it is cool. That's yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, and I devoured that series. I actually asked my teacher at the time. I was like, can, I was like, I already read it. Can I like the book? Can I read these during classes? She was like, Yeah, sure. And that's actually how I wanted to start writing because I I had never fallen in love with the stories like ever <laughs> ever ever <laughs> um and it's funny because um I believe it was like around one or two years ago um either right when they announced that they were filming for Percy Jackson or right before um I bought the box set of hardcovers because I have like still those old paper um, paperbacks but I'm not a fan of paperbacks because they they get ruined really quickly and also I had when I was in sixth grade I had lent them to a friend and she was not nice to books apparently so they're all kind of messed up yeah I feel that <laughs> I had like I chocolate stains in there um, some rips some bents um, I like nice pretty books so I rebought the series. I still have those old books, um, but I, you know, I rebought the series, like the box set, and I re I started reading them again, and I I fell in love with the series even more reading it as an adult. Um, like I was laughing, crying, like every other page. Like it was it was truly an an amazing experience, and I the definitely fact reread that them. an author can be relatable to me as a 12 year old and then right. me as a 16 year old right. and then 18 and now I'm 20 about mm -hmm. to be 21 this year which is absolutely wild it terrifies me <laughs> that is also kind of the author that I aspire to be like you can just keep coming right. back to my books and be like mm -hmm. I felt this at this point in my life but I'm also feeling it at this point in my life in this point in my life right. this point in my life and that carries on as you're a person of color and it should carry on throughout your like people of color like your characters who are you know people of color right. in your books <laughs> if you're spanning multiple years oh my gosh I cannot speak I am so sorry I no, apologize it's okay. no no it's okay neither can I so. <laughs> and, you know going back to that like as like you said as long as you before we went on this Brooke Rowan tangent like <laughs> If you do your homework the right way mm -hmm. and you do it thoroughly and respectfully like Rick Riordan has done. And it, he has even said like there are times where he wished he could have written this part differently or this part differently and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you've done a good job already. Like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? And yeah. that also goes to show like, as I'm writing my, you know, character, my, my character is my YA dystopia and my character is my YA rom-com. I'm like, I'm discovering who these characters are. You know, mm -hmm. I literally discovered in this episode, like, no, somebody is Mexican and she will remain Mexican for the rest <laughs> of the writing of this rom-com first draft. 
And that, that's just how the writing process goes, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, writing a character or outlining, like you've literally been at war with this Alice in Wonderland retelling. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm like, For a long I time. have felt that. <laughs> You are not alone. Like whether it is the characters causing mayhem or the plot or both, you know, there is always <laughs> something that is going to cause mayhem in right. every single draft is what I'm realizing. Mm -hmm. and in this one moment. yeah in my YA dystopia it was my plot my plot would not come and the characters I'm like oh I know these characters I can do it but like what are they doing in the plot I don't know, <laughs> like, I, don't know. Right. I know who they are but I don't know how it connects to the plot and then in my YA mm -hmm. rom-com I'm like I know the plot I know the plot, but like, who are these characters? Are the characters? It's literally the exact opposite problem. Always, always. No, why? Right, I'm in my middle grade. Uh, my one of my worst, I think. Well, one of my um, weaker points as a writer is definitely world building and description. I have huge white room syndrome. If you know what that is, um, if you're not familiar, it's where you're when you're writing he has like kind of no description so it might as well take place in a white room like there's no difference between a white room and a forest if you don't explain what the forest is um so i i struggle heavily i'm trying to get better but it's a struggle that is also something um, and... you can do like with your characters as well whether they are mm -hmm. you know caucasian or you know bipoc you can just be like maybe oh, I just thought of a, like, character exercise for you. Like, oh, <laughs> you know, Google a random culture. And actually, writers, feel free to do this as well. Like, just as a writing character exercise, if you're having trouble coming up with a character, just Google a culture, any mm -hmm. culture. Or maybe even Google, like, cultures of the world. And find one that looks interesting. And just make a character based off of sort credible sources i must mm -hmm. know credible right. trusted sources from like that culture and see mm -hmm. if a story comes out of that or see if like a character in one of your stories comes out of that that might actually mm -hmm. be helpful for your like alice in wonderland retelling of like you know bringing different cultures in you know respectfully mm -hmm. and being right. like you know here's just a little tidbit here's a little tidbit here and not it's not just shoved and mm -hmm. making like overshadowing right the main right. character and mm -hmm. their struggles and their story because it really is the main character story everybody mm -hmm. else is just supplemental supplemental right. <laughs> yeah um uh going back a little bit to what you were saying before when you were talking about you know character you knew the characters not the plot you know the plot not the characters um for the middle grade one, the reason why it's still in the planning process besides the world building is that for the longest time, I didn't have a plot, but I had vibes. I had characters. I didn't know the characters too deeply, but I, I had vibes going on. And I am still to this day obsessed with those vibes. I have a in real life writer friend. She's like, when are you writing that book? I said, it's, it's a long time coming. 
just wait, wait. Uh, hopefully, I'm hoping that I can get that done, that one for Nano because I feel like I'm going to need the break on the two that I'm kind of working on right now, which is um, they're both kind of a little too hectic. I need I need something with cute vibes. <laughs> Sometimes cute um, vibes is all you need. That's basically what right. my rom com is. It's based off of a dream that I had actually. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted it to be like an Anne of Green Gables, like romance kind of style. this is what I mean about like the plot like I, right. <laughs> I'm basing this off of like a relationship vibe mm-hmm. but I'm like who like who are you like who are I, I don't know who you are I can I have characters that I can base you off of uh-huh. I know their best friends better than I know the main characters and that says something <laughs> that I I need help this is not this is not this first draft is not it it's not and my alpha reader is just like see what are you talking about these vibes are immaculate and I'm like no they're not (laughs) sometimes we're our worst critic again that was me kind of beating myself up earlier in the Mm -hmm. episode about you know should I actually do like more POC should I actually and actually I am going to like I've kind of talked myself in and out (laughs) of doing it in this episode (laughs) and so listeners you really kind of got into my brain and Bia I don't know if you have this feeling like you kind of just brain dumped into this kind of episode (laughs) and like the revelations that have happened there are realizations that you've probably had and you're like oh wow right (laughs) this is an interesting process But again, that's kind of potentially what this podcast could evolve into. It's Mm -hmm. like you start out by talking about, you know, a broad topic based on your writing, but then it goes deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in this episode, we have gone deep, deep, deep into something. Right. Actually, um, it's funny how you say that, you know, your rom-com started with the dream my um adult fan fan a dystopian fantasy sci-fi whatever it is also was inspired by a dream (laughs) i had okay let me not lie completely so it was something that i had worked on in middle school i shelved it it was not adult at the time but i shelved it whatever i had a dream where it was the most wild dream it was like um i had a gold I, mean, I used to have a golden retriever but this is like a like a brand new golden retriever i was walking some guy came running and we you know we're you know running away people are shooting at us it was like a oh whole my. thing <laughs> yeah it was it was wild it was wild and then like i don't know like game characters were in there too i was like what like what why are there real people and game characters all in my dream it was the most wild mission dream i've ever had in my life and I was like, yes, this is how we're starting this. So uh, my character, it's no longer the first scene, but it's 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 like the inciting incident where 
So yeah, I kind of, it, it, it definitely changed because I, it was pretty close to the idea originally, but it, it definitely has changed since then, but the core is still there. And just you saying that it just brought up memories of that one dream that I had. Um, now yeah. I'm curious. So, I'm actually curious. Uh -huh. Is there a dream that mm -hmm. you can describe extremely vaguely that you would want to base an idea off of. This can be like a shelved work in progress or like an actual work in progress. Like what what would you what would you your dream like do? And I know this is like a horrible thing to ask you. <laughs> because I'm like like I'm thinking, I'm I'm trying to remember, you know, I don't I don't have great memory, but I'm trying to oh. remember like a dream. Um that might be like the closest one that I have um, to that. But, you know, there is an aspect, I think, also in um, the Alice in Wonderland retelling that I have um, that. So the original series was called Of Dreams. It's no longer called that anymore because um, it was it was it was during that time when the titles were like like a thorn of corns and corns <laughs> like a court of thorns and roses like that those kind of titles so it's supposed to be of dreams and something 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 it, it's not that's no longer the case i don't have a title a series title or book titles for these anymore um they're just kind of this one's project alice for right now because i don't know what to call it um we'll get there one day hopefully uh but, but basically like there was this one time I had a dream where like someone came and they like they like hugged me and it felt so real like I felt like the like the the threads of their sweater and everything but I was home by myself I was living by myself at the time there was no one coming to hug me I'd had no pets with me at that time like nothing it was very like scary and I woke up like 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 oh this my god something's like in my house this sounds like a thriller idea this sounds like this could be a thriller idea <laughs> right <laughs> um but in with uh Lacey she has a lot of moments where she whether she's dreaming or even if she's awake she gets kind of pulled into these like um different worlds um that feel so lifelike and it might only be seconds but you know for her it might be like a couple minutes or whatever that she's in these places where she can see things, she can feel things that aren't actually there. Um, so I definitely feel like that's something that I pulled from that experience. Um, the thriller ideas that I have, um, I have two of them actually. Ah. Yeah, I have two. Um, one day, I'm I'm just not great at thriller writing as of yet, but when I'll when I get there, not if I get there, when I get there. I hope to at release at least one of them. One of them is actually, um, it used to be a story about twins because I love writing about girls because I don't know anything about boys. Um. <laughs>
So it's uh it's very much um a toxic school environment which is something that i've always been fascinated with um one of my earlier um contemporary <clears throat> right like story ideas that i had which i was like in middle school like high school writing this dark 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 stuff which i don't know why what, like I, I don't i don't know i don't know what i can't venture into dark writing like it's harder for me as an adult than it was when I was a teenager. I don't know, like what maybe it's what, teen what, angst. Maybe it's teen <laughs> angst. Um, something I was thinking about today, like I love writing. Um, like I love looking into the complexities of like toxic female relationships, whether it's like friendships or otherwise. I know a little bit about that. Um, right. <laughs> So like even in my dystopian, there is, um, so I have my main character, her name is Renata, and she has this like friend, frenemy character who they were best friends, but they turn out, they turn, they become enemies. Um, and her name is Astoria. And she actually, her name wasn't always Astoria. Her name used to be like Rosalie for like a rose because simple imagery, you know, it's pretty oh, yeah. rose, but she has thorns but um I remember one day I saw the name Astoria and you know I live in a place where there's a city called Astoria so I was like what does that even mean like it sounds really pretty and it actually means hawk and I was like that is so deceptive <laughs> of that name and it was fit it was fitting for the character so that's why I named her that and she's someone who I think the the reader sees her deception way before the main character does. Um, but it's it's like the way that she tries to... Um, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the problem. So the way that she tries to manipulate um, Renata is, is very, like, underhanded. And she doesn't even realize it till like the end of the third, the first book. It's like, it's, it's, it's planned out to be a trilogy. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe less. Um, but she kind of becomes like the final boss in the end. And actually, um, this is kind of off topic, but I created this relationship based off of, um, I don't know if you've ever watched anime. I based off of Naruto and Sasuke's relationship from the Naruto series if anyone watches anime um <laughs> probably just got a because, whole bunch of fans right now right uh i'm very much into fandom not a lot of fandoms but the fandoms that i've been i'm in um <laughs> um like their dynamic as like 
brothers and rivals is something that I wanted to incorporate, but with girls. So, and it kind of works out because they, they were, they kind of grew up almost sisters and they became kind of bitter rivals in the end. Does the story get redeemed at the end? I don't know yet. Um, maybe, maybe we'll figure not. it out. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. But um, in another work that I was doing like in my teen angst years, I guess, is a lot of, I know that we had talked about um, like toxic female friendships, bullying, things like that. I'm sorry, I dropped something. <laughs> and, um, so that was, <clears throat> so that's something that, you know, I want to explore more in as well, just to see like, I don't know, I guess, cause I feel like it's, it's, it's an interesting topic to look into because I feel like um, especially right now, female media is growing more and more. Like, even, yeah. you know, just with the success of Barbie, it's like what, making a billion dollars in the box office for a oh, yeah. directed film or whatever. Easily. Yeah. So it's, I feel like we're coming into a time where female voices are becoming more and more important. And I was also thinking about my writing, how I can do that. And, and, you know, and, you know, people are um, so quick to be like, oh, if you write um, toxic females, it's anti-girls or whatever. <laughs> um, but I feel like there's a lot of like intri intricacies that you can find within those friendships. And, you know, the you can look into like the why people think it's OK to act the way they do. And okay. um, I was thinking about like a lot of like even just children, like children, um, they're kind of a little heartless <laughs> in their core and in a sense uh in the way that they I get that. if they do something wrong they don't see why they're doing wrong unless they're told or and as they mature they kind of realize okay this is right and this is wrong um and you know and some people it takes them a lot longer to learn and some people they just don't want to learn right um mm -hmm. And so that's something that I kind of find fascinating and it's something that I would like to explore in the future. I just don't feel well equipped enough um, to write that yet. Actually, um, I wrote a snippet for like one of those um, story ideas um, where like the female, the, the toxic person in that girl's life had passed away and it's her grieving from that. And, mm -hmm. you know, this person was not good good to her, but she was still grieving that person and how that looks like. Um, yeah, I don't know. This that is really just, off topic. I don't know. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. That just reminded me of, like, my dream that I was going to describe. So, oh, okay. apparently, I'm on a ski lift. I've never skied in my life. I've never been to a <gasps> ski resort. I've never... I'm a I'm a I'm a West Coast girly, okay. Uh -huh. But like but they have mountains in uh in California to ski. Right, but I just never got. We never. Like, <laughs> my parents, I love them to death. I seem to be the only outdoorsy outdoorsy person in my family. <laughs> and I was like eight to thirteen when I was living in California. Mm -hmm. They don't drive. <laughs> they don't normally drive when they're eight to thirteen. If they do, oh that that's something that's something else but you know right whatever and essentially there's going back to like people of color there were these different classmates from 
all like when I was in California from you know you know um in my high school years just coming up to me and having these random conversations with me and I'm like okay I recognize you and I recognize you and <laughs> I only saw you for like three months but like we're having a conversation now that's very confusing kind of like <laughs> yours where it's like so real uh-huh and I'm thinking like maybe potentially I can have like a main character kind of go through that mm -hmm. you know maybe not a ski resort because uh ski resorts are expensive and as a college student I don't have money for that <laughs> like at least on my own okay. and maybe I'm not going to spoil the take just because like now I'm actually very excited to write this. So I don't want <laughs> to spoil it for myself because I just have an idea. But right. That's kind of what I would base mm -hmm. my work off of. And that is something that is a book idea, a novel idea where I can actually have people of different cultures going in and out just consistently and having conversations. So maybe right. that is how I can get over my own internal struggle and my own internal bias of just like, hey, it's okay to write about other cultures. Like this is, this is okay. It should be encouraged. Right. You're not going to get mm -hmm. in trouble. You're not going to, you know, everybody's going to get hate. Everybody's going to get hate. But like, you're not going to get, you know, people beating down your metaphorical door, so to speak, and being mm -hmm. like, take this off right now. You didn't do this right. I'm like, no. If I write that story, slash when I write that story, I'm going to do so much research. I'm going to do so much research. I'm going to ask mm -hmm. so many people. And they're going to be like, why, why are you asking me this? This is really creepy. And I'm like, you know, I'm a writer. Just, just deal with it for right now. <laughs> but that's kind of coming full circle, going back into like, people of color and I kind of wanted to end the episode kind of on a lighter note because this mm -hmm. is a heavier episode mm -hmm. and it is something that is extraordinarily important whether it's in the publishing world or elsewhere just if you feel like learning about other cultures not just because you're a writer but because you're genuinely interested in other cultures do it like right. you don't have to tell people you're doing it you don't have to tell people you're learning, you know, Korean or you're learning, you know, an African language or you're learning, you know, Spanish. You can just have a genuine interest. And as long mm -hmm. as that interest is genuine and respectful and kind, go for it. Like, do it because there needs to be a lot more, I guess, inner connectivity mm -hmm. about you know how different cultures are celebrated because I think like you said earlier in the episode like in the United States it's kind of like separate 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 mm -hmm. but when you do go to countries you know in Africa and countries in Central and South America they're and in Europe and in Asia right. they're just so welcoming actually and like, you know this is our culture here it is there it is Right. Actually, um, my mom had told me a story that I kind of forgot about. Um, 
where my my you know my grandma when she was alive um when we were like when I was a young kid she would actually you know she would um kind of she was kind of my babysitter like she would like watch me like while my parents were working and you know sometimes I would have friends come over and you know there's a girl who's also Hispanic who I was friends with at the time her and her brother only ate mac and cheese that was it like they didn't want to eat anything else (laughs) um but then I had like a Caucasian friend who she would tell my grandma like she was like oh you know I love your cooking so much your food was so delicious and my grandma was like that's she's my favorite out of all your friends she was my favorite because um she even though like this is food foreign to her like this is the person that my grandma would be like oh yeah she only wants mac and cheese (laughs) um but you know because she was so you know she really enjoyed like the hispanic cooking that my grandma had done um my grandma was so touched by that um and yeah so i feel like there there are other people to embrace their culture um so i I feel like if if you're in any way sorry sorry no you're good in any way uh fearful that you thank you that you can't um that you that you feel like you can't like mention another culture in your book because you can't relate to it you know don't like be like people will be willing to accept you if you have like like Cassie said like if you have genuine interest and you do your research and you reach out to people you know from those cultures ask questions you know they're not and I'm sorry, I don't speak this often, I guess, because my voice is leaving me. <laughs> but in most cases, those people, they won't turn you away. In most cases, those people, they won't turn you away because they they are proud of their culture and they want to share it with people. And, you know, especially in like, um, in minority cultures, you don't see their cultures a lot. In main- I mean, now we're starting to see them in mainstream media. Um, but, you know, it's still underrepresented, unfortunately. So the more cultures that we can get out there, the more that we can, you know, reach out to people who have no idea what those cultures are. Like, I know, Cassie, you you said, even though you are kind of raised in California, you, California? Yes. West Coast, you, sorry. Okay, you're good. (laughs) I just, I don't know, West Coast is California to me. No, honestly, Bia, the West Coast for most people is all California is. That's it. (laughs) It's just California. I get, what is another state Washington Washington always, state and Oregon I, yeah Oregon there we go <laughs> I'm sorry you're so good don't worry about it you're not alone honestly I I always second guess Washington because Washington DC is on the east side but mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> um, I'm sorry I got thrown off first um yeah anyway so you said that you moved to the uh the I was going to say the Middle East, and that's not correct. The Midwest. The Midwest. I'm losing my mind. It's it's 1.30. That's why. It's okay. I know. We've been talking, <laughs> and I was like, you know what? It's like, no. <laughs> but this is, I feel like this is such an important topic for both of us that we're just like, we're pushing through. We're right. going for it. I'm having a good time. <laughs> exactly. Um. We're losing our minds, but we're having a good time. Yeah. Losing my mind and my voice. Um <laughs> um oh my gosh yeah so even like people who grow up in in culture in in like 
in places like that where it's predominantly one race and they are only comfortable even like not just like just like the middle west the middle west the midwest <laughs> even like people uh, places even like you know in like like new york city for example it is like the the melting pot but some people they only stick to their where their culture has the majority living in um so they don't really try to venture out like they don't really make friends with people of other cultures um you know that that exists too and i feel like the more that we kind of segregate ourselves from other cultures the more ignorant we are and i feel like it's important to you know you know share with each other and so that we can learn and appreciate other people because that's also where external racism comes in which is especially in america is a big topic of um of i can't think of words it's okay it's just a big topic <laughs> it's a big topic it's a very um, big topic and it's not even just like oh white people and black people it's you know it's hispanics too it's it's asian people too it's all different types of people who have um and racism for other groups of people like um, it's kind of ingrained know, in um, culture my... i feel like now that you mention it yeah yeah it's like um i will you know i'll speak to someone whether it's like oh, one of my old co-workers or like another family member, they'll be like oh well this people of this culture they're all like this or they're all like that and it's like no they're not um like for example one of my internalized racism things was um like with with Dominicans I because of my experience with my mom's the toxic family members of my mom's family not all of them are toxic but the toxic ones that I have met um in a very bad time like I I hated all of the I guess stereotypical qualities that I saw and I equated that with every single Dominican that I knew yeah. um but only in a familial sense because when I met I met my best friend after the, that fact and she's always been only Dominican so um and yeah, I it never hated depends. her <laughs> it definitely know? depends on who you meet when where you meet what point of your life you are right. in and like Bia said she had this whole kind of idea of mm -hmm. all dominicans because of the experience that she right. had like you're going to find people like that maybe yeah i have found experiences where i'm like yeah i've definitely felt like that like mm -hmm. i have lumped everything because of that one toxic experience but like right earlier in the episode like not and like i said earlier in the episode it's not if you can embrace the culture and meet somebody else who is, you know, mm -hmm. Dominican or, you know, mm -hmm. Chinese or, you know, somewhere from somewhere in Africa, you know, or from India. Like there are so many good people right. in the world. You just need to find it. And unfortunately, right. the majority of people embellish and I guess embrace for lack of better terms, the toxicity in cultures. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a writer, I need to be like, no, 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 no. 
this is this is not right. We need to be celebrating other cultures. We need to be right. embracing them in a healthy way instead of embracing yeah. them in the most toxic way possible, mm-hmm. which is where it seems to be heading right now. <laughs> That's a whole other can of worms. This has been a very heavy episode. <laughs> Just right. thank you. For no, thank you for having me. I'm sorry for being awful. awkward. <laughs> ah, no, honestly. I honestly thought it was going to be awkward and it was going to be, but we had a lot to say. So if you made it this far, we, we did. I thank you. Seriously. Thank you. Right. For letting us into your <laughs> life for almost, I don't even know how long this is. Right. For listening to all my rambling. I, and I get went off topic so many times. I apologize. You know what? <laughs> Sometimes. We're, that's why I'm like, I specify it's a Gen Z podcast. You're going to get tangents. You're going to get, you know, this is what Gen, I basically want this podcast to be like Gen Z in a podcast. Essentially, that's what season one is. It's Gen Z in a mm-hmm. podcast. And I know you've listened to all six episodes and you're like, I can see mm-hmm. myself in every single one of my previous guests. Right. And I'm like, that, that is what I want from this podcast. And, you know, you listen to us <laughs> ramble and you listen to us kind of rant a little bit and you actually got some real kind of writer, tr- quote unquote, writer tricks and writer kind of ramblings that we normally do to our writer friends, <laughs> you know, kind of in this podcast. So thank you, really. Thank you for this episode, like for letting me be a thank you for talking about your experiences. And I've learned so much from oh, you, you just from me. this. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, all right.